You are listening to The Court Leader's Advantage, a podcast series for court professionals and by court professionals. Brought to you by thecourtleader.net in cooperation with NACOM, the National Association for Court Management. Welcome to this bonus episode on how local courts are facing and solving their many complex issues. As I mentioned in the January episode, these local suburban and rural courts are very often the representative of the judicial branch in much of America. I'm Pete Kiefer and welcome to a bonus episode of the Court Leaders Advantage podcast series. We're continuing our conversation with clerks of court and court administrators from one and two judge courts from around the country. We're chatting about the current issues that these local courts face, how they're managing those issues, and what advice they have for the rest of us. So let's join our panel. We're joined today by Angie Van Skoik, Court Administrator for the Municipal Court in Breckenridge, Colorado. Lindsay Vorshi, Court Administrator for the Tifton Judicial Circuit in South Georgia. Kelly Elliott, Court Administrator for the Municipal Court in Lee's Summit, Missouri. Danielle Trujillo, Court Administrator for the Municipal Court in Littleton, Colorado. And Sandra Berry, Clerk of Court for the Municipal Court in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Thank you all for joining today's video podcast. Each of our panelists works in a one- or two-judge court. What teleconferencing platform does your court use? And how do you compare what your court is using with other platforms? Lindsay? We are using Zoom right now. We've been using that for the most part. To begin with, we started out on WebEx a little bit. Our Department of Corrections for the whole state they were not using Zoom, so we had to use WebEx for them. And we found that the audio for Zoom was a little bit better. Uh, Zoom was a little more user-friendly. And then as far as having cases and hearings by Zoom, the breakout rooms that Zoom allows Mm -hmm. is great for attorney clients. And then the waiting room, it's really easy if we have a witness in the Zoom that um, needs to be sequestered. I can just move them into the waiting room and let them in when they need to testify. So Zoom has worked well for us with all of its features. Kelly, how about in your court? We use WebEx and WebEx is the approved product by the state of Missouri and they, by the Supreme Court, and they provided all of the courts with their own account. But we have really, really considered and thought about using Zoom platform as well for many of the reasons that Lindsay just mentioned. Because the breakout, we can put people in a breakout session and then we bring them back and we will lose the entire meeting all of a sudden. Or we'll start having sound issues after bringing people back from a breakout session, you know, audio issues. There have been a lot of challenges. And then there are a lot of challenges getting people on to just on to the hearing. So uh, we have considered going with Zoom just for those reasons, although um, it's not encouraged by the Supreme Court. We have really considered it. Sandra, how about in your court? We use Skype. Uh, We already have Skype in place um, because we don't bring prisoners up to the courtroom. We do it from the uh, jail. And so we just continue to use the Skype. And I actually don't work that much with it, but when I was talking to our chief bailiff, 
she says that they have gotten uh, compliments from our attorneys that it is so much easier to use and they don't have to have a, um, a code to get in. They just follow the Skype instructions. And so we just continue to use what we already had in place. Danielle, how about in your court? The county transitioned to Microsoft previously in December, and then we transitioned right after them in January to Microsoft products, to Microsoft Suite. And so we are utilizing Teams. Teams has improved over the last year drastically, so that's been to our advantage. What we've had to do, though, is we had to adjust a lot of our processes to extend people out. And so what happened was is People were in the waiting rooms and waiting extremely long, and they were getting kicked out of waiting rooms. And so what we had to do was just take their info up front and then call them back when we were ready for them. So we kind of eliminated the waiting room process. The other piece that uh, was challenging for us uh, was that we had people coming in in person as well, and we had people calling in. So what we did was we basically made the judge he was in a completely separate courtroom, so he was virtual for all hearings, whether you walked in the door or not. And if you walked in the door, you saw him on our large TV screen in our downstairs courtroom. So it appeared as though everybody was virtual, even if you came into the building. So we didn't run into a problem with sound or technical difficulties. We upgraded all of our, like I said, uh, we took advantage of COVID and upgraded the courthouse to meet those technology requirements with um, microphones and video cameras. So all of that stuff goes, um, just was installed before the end of the year so we can use it this coming year. I think we were also constrained because you have to have licensing for those other applications and that costs money. And so from a city standpoint, their big push was to use your resources that you already have and figure out how to do it. Uh, my team likes to call me MacGyver because I can take anything we currently have and kind of transform it in, into what we need it to be. So there's a little piece of problem solving that we're all constrained with because we weren't given any extra money and told, hey, try to do this now. Do you allow employees to telework? Lindsay? We do. Luckily, in our office where there's only five of us um, and we each have our own individual office so we don't have like a cubicle setup. So we are able to safely spread out and not be right on top of each other. So we have been able to continue working from our office. But earlier in the week, one of um, the assistants came down with COVID. And so we all had to work from home on Monday until we got a negative test result and could come back. I have found personally that working from home is a little bit more difficult for us just because a lot of our information are on our desktops at work. Um, we can still access our emails and certain features that we need through web-based access. But as far as communicating with other departments, it is easier to be in our office. Kelly, how about in your court? Yes, we've worked remote a good portion of the time. Around March 15th, 14th, I sat down with my staff and made the announcement that we were shutting down and we were going to start working remote. And they all about fell out of their chairs because they were so used to, you know, being in an office and being surrounded by paper. And how are we going to do that? And, you know. And now they want to be at home at work <laughs> and work. That's just put it mildly. 
I divided them into teams. I have 10 employees and I divided them into teams and we alternated days in and out of the office. And so that you worked at home, gathered work, went home. All of our, you know, our database, our software is available, whether you're at home or here. We were able to borrow um, through our IT department and get a couple of other additional laptops. But then we have um, remote access. So if anybody had, they can use their their own home computer and log into city and state from their home computer as well. So that we were able to do about everything necessary except for issue checks. <laughs> I had to come in and do checks, uh, you know, on a regular basis and make deposits, those kind of things. Anything financial, we had to come to work for. When we started working a little more in the office was when we started having the full-time, all-day-long virtual dockets, and the judge still is working virtually, but we're coming in because of you know needing to get paperwork out via DocuSign for defendants to sign, payment plans, things like that. So we're, we're now working Monday through Friday Monday through Thursday in the office and Fridays, everyone is working remote. And then the city, as well as myself, we're real flexible with the remote work because all of our schools here also are, most of them are doing remote learning. So if a parent is having challenge, they can work from home and still accomplish pretty much as much as they did when they were here. So we've been, I've been very lucky in that sense. We've been able to keep the court going and provide good customer service. Our phones are able to be transferred to our home, you know, our cell, and there's not really been any uh, want for service. We've been able to provide the customers what they needed. Sandra, how about in your court? Well, our judge uh, works. He can telework and our magistrate can telework and they tried to set me up so I could telework but it really didn't work that well for me when we were alternating weeks and half the staff I tried it for a few days but it just didn't work that well for me so I ended up working the whole time although I probably took a number of shorter days I didn't stay as long but our judge, he can do a lot of his work from home, and so can our magistrate. What is the one thing you could use to improve training in your court? Danielle? Um, providing my staff the time to take training. I think as a court, you establish your calendar months before the year, right? Um, so you're already booked for the entire year of when you're going to hold court and not. And so it's providing them the time and really working with your judge and other city officials to say that it's a priority and to be able to shut down your facility for that day and say we won't have staff on site so we can provide training to our staff. That's uh, always been the biggest challenge. I try to um, make sure that we make an asserted effort to do that and take advantage of the time that we do, like you said, holidays or um, when the city has decided that we're not gonna have certain things, then I take advantage of that. That traditionally doesn't happen prior to when the city would say there was a snow day. We would still hold court. 
it's really perspective of these are still city employees or uh, government employees and we need to respect their time too and, and not put them at risk. That was kind of the same conversation with COVID. So it's, it's making the time for the things that you think are important and a well-trained staff is incredibly important, especially in the work that we do and a lot of the challenges that we're facing right now um, as communities, right? Um, Re-looking at public safety as a whole and how can we better serve our communities? That's a huge thing, and, and your employees need time to educate themselves about that, and you need to have time to have valuable conversations with your entire staff and with the judge and with other public safety stakeholders to say, how are we going to handle this? Um, so it's creating the time. Sandra? Time is the, is the problem, and I would agree with Danielle that just finding time or a day to set the court down is more than a notion. Before COVID, we did try to bring in people from the uh, Bureau of Motor Vehicles and talk to our staff. We've brought in people from uh, the Ohio Supreme Court to talk to the staff, but even when they were here, it was hard to have all the staff to benefit from the training, you know. What ended up happening is I tried to work the clerk's office while the, the rest of them were in the room with the people from the Ohio Supreme Court. Since COVID, the Supreme Court now offers a number of webinars more than they did in the past. So we have been trying to take advantage of those. And, and it's been pretty good. Um, some of them are maybe an hour too long, so they're not as, don't take up as much of the day as um, when they came to visit. And um, so basically, uh, we probably did more training before COVID than we have since COVID. I want to thank Angie Van Skoik, Sandra Berry, Kelly Elliott, Lindsay Vorshi, and Danielle Trujillo, for sharing the challenges in their local courts and how they're managing those challenges. Their advice is vital for helping all of us get through 2021. My thanks also to you court professionals out there watching this episode. In the face of crisis and in the face of hope, you keep the courts running. Thank you. Join us in February for another episode of The Challenges Facing America's Courts. This has been the Court Leaders Advantage podcast series. I'm Pete Kiefer, and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. The Court Leader's Advantage is a regular podcast on courts and court administration. Today's episode will be available on our website, on YouTube, on Facebook, on iTunes, and on Twitter. Become part of the conversation. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us. Our address is podcast. that's all one word, at nakamnet.org. I'm Pete Kiefer, and on behalf of our guests, the Court Leaders website, and the National Association for Court Management, thanks for listening. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this episode are solely those of the host and the individual presenters. They do not necessarily represent the position of the National Association for Court Management.